So, do you still want to do this? Do you still want to talk about Girlie Show? Sure, yeah. Let's talk about the Girlie Show. The Girlie Show <laughs> was to promote erotica. I find it kind of interesting that she only played three cities in the United States and she only played two cities in Canada. She, no, five... she only did Toronto. She didn't... Oh, Toronto. No, she no, did Montreal. Toronto yeah. and Montreal. Yes. Um, and then in the United States, she did three shows for New York, one show for Philadelphia, and one show for Detroit. I just thought this was... If, if you look at the show and you look at the, the amount of tour dates, she didn't do like an extensive tour. It was very limited of where she played and she didn't do that many shows. But if you look at the amount of, if you watch the show, so much work went into this. It's, it's such a shame that it wasn't placed more. Like it wasn't in more cities and there wasn't more shows for it. I just thought that that was like so crazy, especially now looking yeah. back as an adult and looking at the amount of detail that they put into the show, the choreography, the set design, and wow, this, this show didn't even really get played much of anywhere. It reminds me a little bit of the how she did the Madame X tour, where she, yeah. she set up shop in, in one place, and that's where she stayed for two, three, four days. Like looking at it, she was in Tokyo for five days. So it was like, it, yeah. it clearly was a very elaborate stage, and maybe that had something to do with it, that it's not something that you could pack up and move to another city it had to be done maybe in certain kinds of arenas. Like it was in like soccer stadiums in most of the places or giant arenas rather than right. smaller sort of stadiums. So maybe that's logistically. And then we know at that time too, that her Madonna's career was sort of at the one of its at the slump time as they called it. Mm -hmm. She was not very successful here in North America and, bashing her was kind of like the thing like i have a uh a copy of the girls teen magazine ym from 93 where like there's like they did those little random reader polls and like who are the most overexposed celebrities like madonna like who would you rather see like disappear forever madonna kind of thing like at that time wow. Yeah. The tastes were changing and it's like it was she was like she'd been around too much or she overstayed her welcome or like people were moving on to other things and so it was sort of the thing to do yeah. to bash her so and i, I imagine um perhaps it was also maybe around a time where different sporting events were more regular in some of the arenas i don't know how sports work in the timing of this tour but maybe because like basketball games were more frequent around this time and maybe that's why she couldn't play in some of these arenas and the u.s also like she couldn't nail that. oh that was also the thing about the tour is that it was not to say that it was last minute but i think they weren't sure of the dates of when they would perform and you know like when you book when you book these venues you you got to book them a good time well, in advance, advance. Yeah. and i think maybe that also had something to do with it like uh madison square garden was like uh we could probably give you three dates but we can't give you like your normal six or something like that you know yeah. um and then some other cities were like no we can't do that but uh she i believe she opens it up in in london right that was her first show um yes. and i I mentioned this on one of my previous podcasts, but I remember calling and I ended up speaking to Liz Rosenberg. I was like 14 years old and <laughs> I wanted to see Madonna and my, my, my mom didn't take me to go see Blonde Ambition, which I was upset about. But my stepmom was like, Hey, I'll take you and your stepbrother to go see her in like Washington, DC. If she plays there. And so all I had to do is find out when she was playing and where she was playing. And so what I did is um, I, I, you could just call like 411 and they'll, they'll like give you the, the telephone number to any place you want. So I called 411. I looked on the back of the Erotica album and I'm like, I'd like the number to Maverick Records, please. And I gave them the address and they gave me the telephone number. 
And of course I call and someone answers and I'm like, yes, can I speak to Madonna, please? <laughs> <laughs> the balls on this kid. <laughs> and the receptionist is like, um, what is this for? And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to find out, find out information about her tour. And I was trying to be very professional with my voice at 14 years old, which is probably in the midst of changing. So I probably sound like an adult woman at this time um, <laughs> because my voice is probably like cracking and, and it's, it's just at that weird point in time when I was going through puberty. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, you're going to have to call her publicist and speak <laughs> to her and find out information. And I didn't know what a publicist was at the time. I didn't know who was Rosenberg. I didn't know the impact that she had or how she was involved with Madonna. I just knew that they were just giving me this number to Liz Rosenberg and this is her number. And I didn't even know the area code. It was probably New York. I don't know, but I ended up calling and actually speaking to her and she was not, I don't want to say rude. I just think she was very direct and, you know, I think her reputation publicity. was being very brisk. Yeah. yeah. Publicity for Madonna. She was just like, yeah, what, what do you want? I was like, I want to find out about her tour. She's like, we don't know yet. All we know is that she's playing in London. We don't know what the next dates. And I was like, well, how do I find out? Or like, oh, you can call me back in a couple of weeks or something. And, but I, but I think about this now is like, well, the publicist is there to deal with media and things like that, not from fans. And I don't even know if, if, if I maybe not even presented myself, I don't know how I, I don't remember how I presented myself, whether I presented myself as a fan or not, like, but they didn't treat me like a fan. They were just like, here's the number to call. I call her. She's like, here's the information I have. And it just felt very weird. Um, I ended up not seeing her because she didn't play anywhere close to like Richmond, Virginia. It was mm-hmm. Philadelphia. I mean, if I was probably like in my twenties or something, I'd probably drive up to Philadelphia or something like that, but it was, it was Philly, Detroit, and New York. And that was the only place she played in the U.S. She didn't even do L.A., which is weird. Like she always exactly, LA, so. yeah. Um. So yeah, and I think she was originally going to have dark hair in this tour, and the reason why she didn't is because all her dancers and background singers had dark hair. So she's like, yeah. "I'll just go blonde then." <laughs> um which I thought was cool. Cause if you look at some of the, the drawings that Jean-Paul Gaultier did, the drawings, the renderings ha- have her wearing dark hair. It would have been inter- interesting to see. She's never done her the, a tour with her natural hair color. So I know, but then but it she doesn't... did have dark hair in the Madame X tour, even though it was a wig, it was the first time we saw her with like dark hair on stage aside from live aid. That's true. Yes. That's the only time she's ever, it's so weird that that's, that's like the only time she's ever had dark hair on stage. Carrie Ann Anuba, isn't it? Topless. Yeah. It's shimmying down that pole for the intro. <laughs> I know. And I think it was, I remember when dancing with the stars started, I've actually never watched that show, but I remember seeing her as a guest judge and I'm like, Hey, she's topless on Madonna's girly show tour. That's how I know her. That's so, um, which I just I find like the, very interesting. It, it, yeah, it's when yeah, when they first started dancing with the stars, I thought that was neat. That, oh, Madonna's dancer became this. But I feel yeah. I think that Carrie Ann and sort of been very reverential to Madonna. She she understands that Madonna gave her her big break, and so she's always being very kind to her whenever she's speaking. Because she would, uh, she used to host that. Um, the CBS version of the, the view that the talk that Julie Chen, when Julie Chen was let go, she hosted that for a while. So oh, occasionally cool. if Madonna, if Madonna was brought up, she'd be very respectful when Sharon was going to go for the, the jugular about Madonna. So I that was very <laughs> cool. But yeah. So I, I read too, that um, in certain venues, she had to wear a top because they, they forbid nudity. So. Right. I yeah. Was, I in Japan when, actually. Yeah, I remember watching that on TV on Much Music and thinking, how's it they're gonna they're showing this girl coming on the pole with her tits out? Like that's <laughs> that's porn. Like this is TV, but I thought that was very cool. <laughs> and Donna and Nikki are back, of which course. 
I was very happy to see. And Carlton is back. You yes. see Carlton again. Um, so I feel I feel like his role was reduced in this tour. I think that he had some some good pieces in the tour, but he wasn't as um, front and center as he was in, in the Blonde Ambition tour. Right. I I would agree. Um, and I think uh, pretty much her her band was all different people except the percussionist. Paul Pesco was her guitar player for that tour, and he played guitar for her for the Virgin tour, but this lineup of the band was completely different. And honestly, I will, I will uh, say that this is the best band she's ever had her best live band, hands down. I agree. I will fight anyone who says (laughs) otherwise. No, they definitely brought the songs to life and, they definitely sounded really good. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think they 100%. they made a very smart choice, especially like the bassist, who um, I always thought his I never knew is you know you, you look things up and I I'm sure I looked it up, but you know at the end of the tour we'll get this we'll get to this I'm going off track <laughs> here, but she when she's doing dance to the music when she's introducing the b- band, she pretty much says everyone's first and last name and. For some reason, when it was the basis, I thought she said, okay, Victor, baby. Like, I thought she was saying Victor, comma, baby. But mm-hmm. his name, his last name is Bailey. So maybe she was saying Victor Bailey, Very not possibly. baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. Doesn't even need to be said, but I just wanted to say it. Victor baby. Um, <laughs> the the concert was broadcast on HBO uh, from Australia and also Japan, but Japan was never officially released. It was just broadcast on their television for the HBO version. It was broadcast, but then it was also released officially as a VHS cassette, as a Laserdisc, later down the road DVD. Yes. Isn't that um, the B show as well? Was it, weren't they planning on recording a different day? And yes. They used the B show because the, the, the main show that they were going to record rained out. Got rained out. Yeah. And I think they were concerned that this one was going to get rained out too as well. Um, but it didn't. And she thanks God for not raining on her show. <laughs> as a fly but, is crawling yeah. across her chest. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was a great show. She took theming around concerts and her show, you know, she kind of broke it up into four different sections or well, in this one, she had a couple of encores, but she took the themes to the next level. She like went really hard. So with the Blonde Ambition Tour, I think she had her themes for each section, but it was also a performance, but like with Girly Show, the costumes just took it, she just up the level she took it to the next level with these costumes and like set design like she really puts you in the element of what was happening in the show definitely yeah sort of looking at the i mean it, it the erotica album is very for me very serious and very sort of Deep, so the the circus theme that she brought into the girly show sort of made it a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit more accessible, so it wasn't so serious. So even though there was sort of erotic elements, it was more burlesque, especially like sort of Carriana and coming down the pole and then Madonna sort of appearing as Dita again for erotica, but it's not menacing. It's sort of more, it's softer, softer a little bit. So it's not, yeah, not as sort of, I'm going to, teach you how to do this bend you to my will it's more she's gonna i'm gonna the ringmaster of this show this is my my story i'm gonna tell it to you kind of thing i i loved the way that it sounded live and i and i love that whole i love the whole look of the whole thing too when carrie ann comes down the pole and it does that whole like that scream where it goes and she like lifts up her hands and walks away and Madonna is rising up from the stage at the same time. Um, I just love that. Now I will say this is probably like for me, 
seeing Carrie Ann come down that pole and then seeing Madonna come up, there's no comparison that Carrie, for me, Carrie Ann outshined Madonna for that <laughs> opening because I Definitely. feel like this is the most boring Madonna entrance to any tour just because yeah, she just like stands there the whole time and then she essentially lip syncs the entire song. Yeah, um, she doesn't come out until sort of fever. So it's like exactly. the erotica. It's like it's almost like a tableau, like a like a. It could have been done as a video and on entry too. Really, I mean, oh, but it's because of this performance that point. I went to a sex shop and I bought a, a riding crop. <laughs> ah, well, of course. And anytime I, um, if I'm wearing any type of boot or have anything in my hand that looks like a riding crop, I will walk downstairs or walk as if I'm walking like Madonna going, dum, 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 shh. I you got it. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes right into Fever, the edit one version, the most perfect version. And I love how she, when she takes off the mask and she lifts it up and she just smiles. And she's like, yeah. give me Fever. And then she goes into it. And I love like this performance. I just love. And it's very simple too. It's just her and... Um, her two dancers, Carlton and um, uh, I forget the other guy's name, uh, but it's it fits, it works. I it agree. I need think to, it's not over the top. It yeah, it didn't need to be. It sort of it spoke for itself. It's sexy. It's got all of the elements. <laughs> yeah. I love the shimmying that they do sort of when they're standing as a trio <laughs> and then they shimmy their arms. Yes. just before they do the strip tease. And you were mentioning uh, when we were talking about the erotica album, but how she kind of adds some different elements during the Japan show. She was yeah, like burning that. Out. Um, oh, baby. <laughs> yeah. And oh, and, and also, I think during the Japan one, we're at the end where she goes, I said, and they had that strings in there it's like synthesizer but they had this strings i just um that's like my favorite performance and actually the one from japan i prefer the one from japan versus the one from australia yeah definitely i agree i like the uh, i think because it wasn't the filmed one i think that she was trying to just be as basic as she could to get it down so she didn't do anything that would jeopardize things if you will <laughs> but still it's, it's a good performance i like it i like that she's actually singing the lines you can hear her yep. voice you can hear her breathing so yep and that's my thing that's how i know when someone's singing live now because if i hear them breathing or taking a breath that's how i know it's live versus if it's a pre-recorded track because mm-hmm. if if you don't naturally just take a breath then i i can tell that's all I'm saying. Like, yep. <laughs> you well, I'll come to learn that with future Madonna performances that, like, hey, it sounds like she should have taken a deeper breath at that moment and she didn't, and I didn't hear it. So, you know, she might have been lip syncing that one. I don't know. Um, not that it matters. She always puts on a great performance. And of course, that comes with the, the next song she performs is Vogue. And this is the first time we've seen Vogue performed since the the iconic uh vma performance yeah 1990 and so pretty much that's all we know of vogue we expect the the same choreography or anything but this is actually a good testament to showing how she will take something and do something completely different because every time she's performed vogue which has been a lot of times she has completely changed the choreography she doesn't keep the same choreography. And I love that um, because it just shows you how, uh, how uh, adaptable that song can be no matter yeah. what time and place. So a lot of other artists will do the same exact dance moves to the same songs, which mm-hmm. is fine because fans love it. But I just love the fact that Madonna will change the choreography every single time the song is performed. I like how it has, um, I guess it would be like a Middle Eastern kind of sound yeah. or sort of with the, the, the hand, um, I don't know, the, the little hand, the, the, those little hand finger sort of symbols. And yes, 
the and the headdress. The headdress is very beautiful. So with the little is it di- I don't know if it's diamonds or just rhinestones, but definitely a, a very pretty headdress. And then the, the sort of exaggerated kind of Indian almost sort of placement moves. So yeah, I agree with you that she she's always done different ver- variations of Vogue, and they've always been very different, but they always work well with the song. I stand in my shower to wash my feet with on one leg, <laughs> like she stands in the performance. <laughs> um, mesmerized by those long boots. So. Right. And then she walks on her dancer's backs. And I, I, I actually, this is one of my favorite performances of Vogue. So um, the, I guess the first one would be probably uh, the Blind Admission Tour, of course because it's like classic madonna um yes. but this would probably be my next favorite performance of vogue just because it's just some, done so differently it gets a different musical treatment and a different choreography i love it yes yeah i like that you can actually hear her shouting the lyrics at the yes she does try <laughs> yes. she doesn't completely rely on the playback but sort of gives it up by the end <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, well, she has to save her voice because now she's about to deliver some vocals for Rain with Donna and Nikki. That and it's a highlight. Yes. It was very like, um, I don't think I've ever seen her just like sit down for a performance like, like the way she did in this one. Um, and I just thought it was, it, particularly for this time and era where she just, it just looks like a, a low, I mean, it's very low budget. She's just standing there with a robe on with like a, a, a see-through robe on singing with Nikki and Donna sitting at her side and the vocals sound great. The harmonies sound great between them. And, you know, Nikki and Donna appreciated it so much. They recorded their own version of rain a couple of years ago. Um, That's a beautiful version. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so happy that she did this song because I don't think she's ever done this song again, except it was kind of done for Sticky and Sweet Tour, but not really. And there's that weird animated kind of section that turned into Here Comes the Rain Again. Right. Really, it just became um, Annie Lennox (laughs) (laughs) singing over a video screen. Um, But yeah, I love this performance. I love that she goes into just my imagination yes part, yeah, she, she shows off her her soul roots for sure she's mm-hmm. from the motor city so exactly show show your motown yeah. and then before the time of video screens um in order to kill time her dancers would kind of just act out a scene on stage and <laughs> um i actually i think it took me a while i don't think i appreciated it when it originally when i originally you know got into the girly show but i think as an adult um you know listening to a bootleg cd of it i heard the kind of like drums kick in and everything like that i like the whole the dance scene musically particularly but even the dancing is like really good very singing in the rain for sure yes (laughs) very singing in the rain inspired but uh, yeah, no, I agree. I like the musicality of it. Listening to it on an audio form definitely has given me a, a better appreciation for it. For mm-hmm. me, for the longest time, it was just sort of like a, this is where you get up to go refresh your, your drink or <laughs> go to the lab. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get a pretzel and a hot dog. Um, yeah, they- and then I'm going to take you to a place you've never been before where she goes into express yourself. And I think this, I think is the portion of the show that really gets you excited. Like that's the thing too, is the way she themed these shows is like every section was like a new introduction. And this felt like it could have been the intro. It could have been the opening to the concert. Definitely. Yeah. Coming down off the disco ball, the day, wherever we are. And she wasn't even attached. She didn't have a harness on or no. anything. <laughs> She's having that thing with those thighs. Very surprised. Those power <laughs> thighs. Yes. Uh, I think 
that's one of the times where she would switch between costumes. Like sometimes she'd wear these hot pants, these like sequined hot pants. And then other times she'd wear kind of like these velvet bell bottoms. She's a, she sweats when she oh, yeah. moves. So I think she probably ditched those pants really, really fast because they <laughs> look like they'd be really, really hot. Yeah. She probably wore them when they were like inside venues versus the outdoor yeah. hot ones. Like, of course, like if you're in Australia, you're going to wear short shorts. And she brings out Donna and Nikki again, too. So we yes. see them interacting, which is some of they're kind of I like it when they they're together. So they're together in rain and they're together here and express yourself. And I would say this is probably actually my my second favorite express yourself too. the first one being blind ambition. This will probably be my next favorite. And the reason why is because this is the last time she does the bridge to the song. So mm-hmm. I hate it when she removes for me, they're integral parts of the song. Like the bridge to me is one of the reasons why I like express yourself. It's one of the reasons why I like Vogue. So when she took it out for a uh, reinvention tour, I'm like, where's the bridge? Yeah. Um, and this is the last time you hear it. Live. Yeah, I guess they cut it for time. Yeah. I don't like, I mean, I didn't see the reinvention tour till after, but the MDNA version of express yourself. Yeah. It doesn't the, have the, it doesn't the have either. the bridge. So it's, it's not and the same. And she did that with Vogue with the MDNA tour. She, she took a bridge where you find it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's one of the best that's, parts of the song. Exactly. <laughs> You can you can extend your tour thirty more seconds. You you already made me wait three hours to watch you perform. You can you can keep that extra thirty seconds of the song in. Um, but then they do this really cool way of of working, making express yourself transition into deeper and deeper, which I thought was the perfect transition because the way they did express yourself, it was really cool, and they turned it into a disco song. Um, and it made the perfect fit for when they did deeper and deeper. I believe this is, they did one of the remixes to deeper and deeper. And I kind of like that they did that. The Davis club mix. Yep. The only thing I don't like about this performance, I like the performance that they mashed up um, that other song to every morning, every night. I just want to hold you tight, but I don't like how they do that. The contrived sort of the fan running up to the stage and then tearing off the shirt, like security, security. There's a guy like, like, because I don't know how well that would have come across in, um, because she did these performances in like these giant football arenas and she's like at the very back and everybody else. Because I remember when I saw Sticky and Sweet, we were on the floor, but we were well in the back. So I had, without the video screens, I had no idea what was going on. So I can imagine in 1993 when there were no video screens, like you had no idea what the hell was going on. So I thought that yeah. that was kind of, you could have cut that out and not missed it. <laughs> I thought it was silly and stupid. It wasn't necessary, I should say. I guess she made up for it by having an orgy at the end of the song exactly <laughs> <laughs> all good por- parties gotta have an orgy at the end <laughs> um, it's not a party unless there's an orgy at the end i'm kidding but, <laughs> but maybe not i don't know um this was also one of those scenes because i had a big crush on luca the dancer oh, luca yes he was beautiful and uh, and seeing like two guys grind on each other during at the end of this like orgy scene i was um i mean you could say like every time i saw madonna have someone in a show i'm like not paying if i'm not paying attention to madonna while she's performing it's because something else is happening in my head where i'm i'm wanting to see these two guys grind on each other well they (laughs) did another another rewinding and pausing moment definitely yeah and i remember yeah watching as it sort of progressed into this orgy scene yeah they're the biting on her breasts and like biting yeah. on her ass it's like did you not come out of that with bruising at the end? <laughs> <laughs> but she's definitely committed to that for sure yeah and it goes um, with the theme too as it transitions out of this song right and it kind of goes into why is it so hard which is kind of like a a 70s slash hair moment um where a lot of the wigs came off and it it was almost like a protest song yeah so it kind of like took you out of the disco club and took you into the the protest into the streets of the protest um which kind of like free love 
almost like from the yeah. 60s going into the very 70s. reminiscent of the sexual yes. revolution yeah sort of we want our rights to rep- to be here and be represented so and again that's that's when i kind of learned to love that song by seeing Me it too. be performed and i really like that and then everyone leaves the stage and then it's time for madonna to give a solo performance and i think it's is it the australia performance where uh a fly like lands on her on her chest yes and like yeah. stays there for a while yeah we see it crawling across her chest <laughs> and then the what is that um uh puppet N- not a puppet the uh the the the, 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 the the circus kind of uh mime person. what do you call it is it a mime I don't know why I want to say marionette. It's, that's not what I'm thinking. Yeah, what I was some guy, <laughs> the weirdo, the 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 theme, the mime. The yeah, the mime. Um, he's in the background listening to her 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 song, her tale of her the friends that she's lost and and little did you know that took them. The mime is really her. Yes, <laughs> which we learn at the end. I'm I'm saying that in a very silly way because. Um, ominously what's gonna happen next <laughs> who is this mine what are they doing why are they showing up uh <laughs> but they're sitting on a ladder and it's very it's very like Cirque du Soleil I don't understand what's going on uh type of thing where it's just like sitting on a ladder and it's it's just, I find that kind of cheesy I like yeah. her performance of the song I don't think it needed the clown in the background just creepily watching her but it goes into the beast within performance which i thought was a very interesting choice to have as i guess like a segue um into the next section it was its own performance and um talk about possible moments though that's yes definitely (laughs) 100 And that other guy, the dancer. Yeah. And well, again, I I just thought it was like an interesting choice to use that song. And then, um, but what I loved about it is, you know, it's it's clearly the recorded track, but the drummer, like drumming over it, uh, to me, just like, it made me appreciate that track more because, you know, I know it was on the Justify My Love uh, remix single. And I don't think... I, I, I'm honestly going to say I don't think a lot of fans really paid attention to it until either the girly show or the intro to reinvention when it was completely like redone and, and made more sinister, I believe. But this yeah. one even felt a little bit more, it felt heavier and it felt like bassier. And that's the other thing, the bass too, like the bassist really knew this band was incredible. Like, yeah, they definitely were sort of playing their asses off the uh, their instruments for this song. Yeah, you see them performing it definitely added much more to the to the song, which was just like a the sample yeah. of the, the song and then her speaking the Bible over it. So and it tells the story though too, right? So but that's true too. It looks like um, it's sort of for me. It looks like it's like you're trying to come to terms with your sexuality and sort of being pulled in different directions, sort of very, the, sort of the theme of the 90s, really, with the yes. gay sort of, sort of experience coming yeah. out, maybe, or sort of being pulled in opposite directions, what your heart wants, what society wants you to be, so. Yeah, and if you, um, I don't know if you know this, but like when the DVD came out, they tried to make it in like 5.1 surround, and it, you can separate out the center channel and it's just like Madonna's vocals. So it's, it's Madonna's vocals, the bassist and the drummer are all just on this center track during this song. The drummer is like really into it. And he's like one of those drummers that's like a hardcore drummer. And he kind of like screams and yells with the song. And you can hear that when you listen to the center track, it's, it's really um, interesting to hear. Um, but what's also great about it is hearing Madonna's vocals straight through. So you can really hear her like on erotica and um, 
on other songs, but you can also hear her backstage. So you can hear oh. her say things like, the floor's wet, the floor's <laughs> wet, someone needs to wipe the floor. Like you, you can hear that. Um, oh, that's neat. A little peek so, into the background of the. Yeah. So um, I would say if you could find that, if you can find her, her straight vocals from that Australian performance, it's really cool to hear. Um, then we get into the next section, which is, I don't know what sections would be called, but it's, it's really quite interesting um, where we get to see her perform like a virgin in a very interesting way, like Marlene Dietrich. Like a virgin. Like a virgin. I'm telling you, it feels so good inside. I just, uh, I will say it's not, it's not necessarily my favorite performance, but I love I love watching it because it's just, it's so like corny and fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's never really been my favorite vocal performance. <laughs> and I don't think that was the point, but it's yeah. definitely cutesy and sort of it it sets always, up the, the final, that the sort of that act where the, the androgyny where she's sort of playing the boy and yeah with his friends at the nightclub. Well, it, it she also last. kind of reminded me of, um, almost like Lucille Ball when Lucille Ball would, you know, dress up trying to be a guy, but you, you know, the audience is supposed to pretend like Lucy really looks like a guy with eyelashes (laughs) and makeup and, and, but it really played into the comedy of Madonna too. Um, Yeah. She hams it up in the section. Like it's, you she just she plays for like big big expressions big eyes she really i don't know if she still does but she had very like good comedic timing and so her expressions are she's fighting with the mime yes well and i would say that about this entire show too she has more facial expression throughout this show like when she smiles the way she like opens her eyes like really big I've never really seen her perform like this, especially compared to like Blonde Ambition. Blonde Ambition, it always looked like she was straining and she was serious and um, trying to be like really sexy. And in this one, she was just like fun, expressive, looking like she's trying to engage the audience, which uh, I don't know if she really did with Blonde Ambition. She was, it seemed like she was just trying to put on the show, but with like Girly Show, she played around with that a lot. And particularly like with the performance between like a virgin, bye bye baby, I'm going to bananas and all that. I'm I'm jumping ahead, but that this next section is where she really plays with those facial expressions and and really plays it up and hams it up, like you said. I mean, even bringing it out onto that sort of the the runway where most of the section played out sort of she's in the middle of the audience so she'd never yes. done that before up to this point so she's actually there so they could she's there closer to her so yeah when she's doing these expressions she's playing it up for them and they can actually see what's going on whereas previously in the big in the blonde ambition tour and even the who's that girl tour she'd been far back on the stage so she didn't really wasn't up in the audience so yeah i think that sort of brought a different element to the performance yeah, and I like um, when she goes into Bye Bye Baby. I love kind of like the opening line where she's just like, ladies and gentlemen, and she just like screams, step right up. Like it was just. The greatest show is about to begin. Yeah. Yes. And I remember because I had seen the VMA performance where I was like, even though she looks exactly the same, she's done up the same and the set is the same. She, this performance was different. It was, there was more energy and more excitement. And um, I was more into it with this performance versus the VMAs. So um, I was excited that it felt different for me. She definitely, it feels like, yeah, she got into it a little bit more. And I think it goes with the, the, the fact that it's her audience. So she, she's playing to her audience and she knows what they want. So she could let herself loose and sort of play up the, the the sort of the sexist the boys going to the burlesque club and hitting on the girls and yeah touching them where they should they didn't want to be touched so and then she let go she 
gets corny again and she goes into <laughs> um right before she goes into the next song she's doing the whole like this is how a man acts i'm gonna grab a crotch we all want women and it, it was it was very like tongue-in-cheek about like yeah this is this is the only way guys know how to talk about girls like and this is why they'll never be successful at getting them because this is how <laughs> they talk um but then she goes into like what i like to call um the secret tour song um i'm going bananas because it's something totally unexpected of all the songs in her catalog this is not a song i would have expected her to sing yeah so random just thrown out there <laughs> so random but yet so perfect that it fits perfectly with it i think she was um originally supposed to do live to tell Oh wow, that would have been a weird transition, right? Like, well, I don't know fit? if it's supposed to be exactly in in its place, but I believe it was supposed to be in this section. I could see her doing in this life and then live to tell, and then going into the section because that fits thematically, that, right? But that, yeah, I can't see how live to tell would fit into this. I think that I'm going bananas perfectly transitions sort of that. <laughs> She's playing with the the fact that the guys are at the strip club and like we yep. we fuck women and this is how we treat women and then it's like what what no wait a minute I'm not like that I'm actually a girl I'm going crazy I I'm crazy maybe, it's like my I'm confused about what identity I'm putting on today today yeah. so and I love the, the way that the costumes are revealed underneath um, how she like slams the hat against her knee and then all of a sudden it's flat she throws it away you know as she's removing different layers of clothing and how it just like fits the performance yeah yeah like the sailor top that they reveal out underneath the tuxedo yeah for la isla bonita which i will say is my favorite performance of la isla bonita ever i have to agree yes <laughs> I, I love like the opening line. I love the piano opening line to it and her kind of running around stage. Mi pendejo. Like, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> what I just say? <laughs> I just love it. And I think it's, uh, well, it, it's the most faithful to the album version, but her vocals have improved so much since 1987. So, yeah that's why i think i like it so much because afterwards she takes like the bonita into a different direction on subsequent tours but for this one i feel like it's it stays true to the the the, the, the dream that she had of going to this island paradise and falling in love there so that's yeah why i love the performance so much and then the outro too that they do where when donna and nikki get to soar yes. la bonita. Uh, i love that section that's, that's actually probably dances. why it's my favorite section because I love um, I love hearing them just sing and, and where they took that song at the end of it and you get to see your Luca again he comes up from the B stage and he does his mirror dancing to Madonna up on the platform mm -hmm. um, so after La Isa Bonita she goes into uh one of my favorite i i'm gonna say a lot of these performances are my favorite performances of these songs but i love the way holiday is performed on this it's the um the little uh military version of it and i love how they kind of like jam out at the end and it's this very r&b type version of the song too yeah broken up in the middle by that style. I don't know if she did it on every performance in Australia. At least she did that. The 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 chant that she made up that she was in the land down. Oh yeah, there. I'm not sure if she did yes. that in every in the Japanese performance that I have. She made everybody do push ups because they stole from various hotels and yep or sassed her or were off key at the last performance. So get dropped down and give me ten or fifty push ups or whatever it was. But in yeah. Australia, once you did that little ditty, that made-up song. I like the, um, yeah, I think she may have done some variation in different places, but I think at the end of it, she always did, I don't care what you might say, we all need, we a, need holiday. a holiday. 
Yeah. Right now. I like when she ad libs, sort of she goes off script. She doesn't do that very often, but right. Or I mean, obviously those are scripted moments, but when she yeah. it feels like they're sort of ad libbed scripted moments. For sure. And I like when she says, Don't you agree with me, Australia? Like she has the the very weird pronunciation of Australia. Um Australia. Australia. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. The way she says it is just weird. You think the show's over, but you know the show's not over. But um, we get this very interesting and weird performance of Justify My Love. And I don't know how to really describe it. I, I, I like My Fair Lady like a, meets Dracula. Yeah, it's a, it's a fashion show, basically. I, was, I didn't really get, in, they get it, but yeah, I, I've read that there's references to My Fair Lady and it's not my favorite performance in the beginning going into it just because it's yeah you're just walking up and down the runway not actually (laughs) singing the song you're lip syncing it's not until the end that 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 it gets good i i think oh i love the whole like 50s and they do the hand jive and and like justify justify baby yeah when she actually starts singing and grooving i think that that's when the performance yeah which is sad because it's the end of the performance but that's what makes it for me well what's the strange thing about this is this is the only time the costume is worn. So like she left stage, everyone leaves the stage to go change into these costumes to come out to perform this song. And then they leave the stage again to come out and totally different. Like this is the only performance <laughs> that this costume is worn. And, you know, typically you either add things or take things away as the show goes on when you go into sections, but this was just like, this was a true encore song where like I'm coming out to give you this one performance of this one song in this one costume. Um, and then I'm going to leave you. Uh, yeah. And I thought it was um, really cool that she kind of went back to her roots from 10 years ago, 10 years previous to her first single and closed the show with everybody. Of course, doing the intro to Everybody is a Star from Sly and the Family Stone, which was, uh, which I thought was really interesting because that's what she did for Blonde Ambition Tour as well. She closed the show with an intro from Sly and the Family Stone, Family Affair, and to keep it together. And now she's doing the same thing with Everybody is a Star into Everybody. And sort of another nod to her Motor City roots. Yes. Yeah. And maybe that's the the root of the performance because everybody is her first song ever, and she was from the Detroit area, so a throwback to that. Is it, she's she's for the performance? She definitely seemed to let loose, and she looks like she's having a good time. And yeah, when she does Again, her, her intros her, of the band, her facial expressions are just like uh, like I've never seen her make these facial expressions before, and I just thought. Like this I don't, is, and I this don't is, think ever she ever did it again either. She I think didn't. This is the most fun looking she's ever had on tour. She really sort of it looks like she's letting herself loose and having fun. So yeah, and she introduces the band, which she never does. So um, I think that's a testament to how great the band was that she felt like she needed to introduce them, and she did that by transitioning into Slaying the Family Stones, Dance to the Music um yeah yeah she's really good at those old songs like the uh, flying the family stone from the keep it together uh family mm-hmm. affair and then everybody just is even just my imagination like when she she can belt like that's not some like thinking about it now it's like it's not something that i would have thought back then like Madonna can sing, has a soul or had a soul for voice. I don't know if she can sing like that anymore, but yeah, that just letting loose. And yeah. Like people don't give her credit for her, her live singing voice, but she's always been a live performer. Like aside from certain performances where she's not sung live, she's always, in, I feel like she's insisted on performing live for some, sometimes that works really well for her. Like in this case, I think, and, Sometimes it hasn't necessarily worked out for her, but Eurovision. Credit to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Remember yeah, even the I, MTV Awards in 1998, that Shanti Ray of Light performance. Oh, that was kind of yeah. Nice. I forgot about that. Um, Don't remember it. Just <laughs> erase that from your memory again. <laughs> but I remember what she was dancing. And I can't, I don't, I can't tell if I've ever clarified this for myself, but I thought, is it a mic pack that she has attached to her front pocket or is it a beeper? I remember just thinking like, does she, does Madonna have a beeper on her? Cause I felt like she was trying to embrace like this, this um, kind of urban attitude and she wanted to be really street, even though like Madonna, you make millions of dollars now. You, you can't be street anymore. Like you can only be a Madonna, <laughs> but I, I can't remember if it, I think it just was a mic pack and maybe I just thought it was a beeper. I um, think it must be the mic pack. I'm just kind of I'm flipping through the girl yeah. show book here and it's. Oh, well, I mean, um, she, she, she started smoking weed back then. She's waiting <laughs> for her dealer to talk her up. <laughs> well, she did. She was on David Letterman the next year talking about smoking That's weed. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad you brought up the book because the tour book is really great. I love the tour book. It's one of my favorites. Bond Mission will be my first. This will be my second. Travel will be my third. Um, she says incredible tour books, but she also had a hardbound book put out about the girly show, which included some of the images and different um, photo takes that were then from what was in the tour program. Um, are you familiar with that hard book, hard back book? Yes. Uh, yeah. I have yeah. two copies of that one. I really, it's a good, key, it's a nice keepsake. I wish she would do stuff like this again, but. Because I think, I think that was originally supposed to be, it was supposed to be the soft back to sex book. Um, that was part of like the Maverick deal. It was going to be a soft cover to the sex book. Cause you know, like you, with books, they always had the hardbound, and then a couple of weeks later, they did the softbound, which was cheaper or whatever. And I think yeah. that was originally what it was supposed to do for sex, but she didn't want to do that anymore. So then it transitioned. I think this was one of the Maverick books where they did that, and then they included a CD that had three tracks on it. It had Like a Virgin, Why Is It So Hard, and In This Life. Um, except with Like a Virgin, Oh, that was another thing I didn't we didn't mention, but um for like a virgin, she also included a cover of Falling in Love Again, um, and which they cut on that CD. Disappointingly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that actually that outro with that, the falling in love again is probably the best part of that performance. Right. So cutting it out sort of makes it like like a virgin. It's like, okay, I'm not listening to that. <laughs> outside of the context of outside the context of the concert man i mean it doesn't make sense so yeah but yeah no the the, I, the girly show book is definitely a good keepsake i don't have the original like the tour book that is quite expensive to buy now but i have a couple uh, copies of the the hardcover book i i remember sourcing a copy from a, like a discount bookstore and like rushing to it it was like deeply discounted but it was falling apart so i like i painstakingly mended it back together oh my gosh and tape and like as best as i could because i didn't have the a, a, a like a full copy i put it back into it's what i thought was the order and actually i did a really if i do say so myself i did a really good job it's still holding together almost 30 sure. years later <laughs> did you ever get but, a, another copy of the book like a i did eventually yeah okay good yeah mine <laughs> is still tucked away with my memorabilia um i haven't pulled it out in years actually i i guess i should but I still has a CD in there. I didn't, I didn't like do any, I didn't like take the CD out and try to put it in a case or anything like that. Cause I was afraid of messing it up and I, I wanted it to stay with the book. Um, so, but because I also have like, I have like a, a the girly show is probably the one I have the most amount of uh, bootleg CDs for. Mm -hmm. um, there was just like a period of time where, someone ended up posting their entire collection on eBay. And I just like, at the time I just had the money and I'm like, I'm buying all of these. And I bought a whole bunch of girly show and a whole bunch of Burge, uh, Blonde Ambition tour um, bootleg DVDs. Uh, I keep saying DVDs, CDs. And so 
my favorite show to listen to is the Fukuoka show. That's probably the best vocally and sort of that's where I got the 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 ad libs for the fever from. But the yes. the, the bootlegs that I have are I think a transfer from the broadcast. Whoever had the broadcast, there's a skip in the in the audio, so it's not the best. Oh. Um, after La Isla Bonita, when the 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 band is doing its little crescendo thing, the audio gets crunchy. So uh, I'm disappointed, but <laughs> but the yeah. um there's also a vinyl edition, and I don't know. I think it's from the Australia show. Um, vinyl editions have started to come out now. Where yeah, a, co- it's a couple been of like years a radio ago, broadcast. They, yeah, they they started releasing those. There's like maybe five or six vinyl of the the Dallas Blonde Ambition and then there's the the Tokyo Girly Show yeah. and then they also did the Australia ones but they, but they split it so you have to buy two different it's not like a, a one set you have to buy oh. different um, it's like the first half of the show is on one vinyl and then you have to go and find the, the second half on another oh interesting vinyl okay. yeah I never bothered with those ones well I got the Blonde Ambition one and then they re- all they do is they change the picture on it so that you'll buy it again. And I did <laughs> <laughs> for the bond emission one. Um, yeah. About, about two or three myself before I just, I got wise. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. And the interesting thing about the, the Japan show that, um, cause you mentioned she did some different things vocally is Japan is where she ended the tour. She didn't end the tour until Tokyo. Um, but the one you see on TV and, or, you know, that's on YouTube and, most of the bootlegs are from Fukuoka. Um, but she ended the tour in Tokyo. Uh, and on the very last show, the dancers all fully shaved their heads. And then I think some of them wore, or they all did, um, wore G-strings under their coats for holiday. Oh, that would have been fun to see. Too bad that's not recorded for posterity somewhere. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Luca in a G-string? Yes, yeah. sign me up. <laughs> exactly um do you have any closing thoughts on the girly show um well it's definitely a favorite of mine for sure of her sh- like what like we've pointed out if it looks to me and it feels like she's actually having fun and engaging with the audience whereas we'd previously especially in the blonde ambition tour sort of seen her sort of she had some interaction, but she seemed very detached, especially when she's trying to get through some of the more serious sections of that tour. So in this one, it was a little bit more fun, a little bit more lighthearted. She definitely, um, like she, while she did a lot of the erotica songs, they weren't as stark or sort of as maybe um, not as depressing, maybe yeah. not as not as raw and gritty. It was a little bit more, a little bit more Cirque du Soleil. Soleil or a little bit more like burlesque rather than sort of seedy yeah. strip club like downtown kind of thing so I thought that that was well done and it's sort of a nice stopgap in her career of the where she would go in the future yeah sort of to mend her to mend her wicked wicked ways <laughs> <laughs> and right like because after this she completely changed again I mean the, the power of Madonna the reinvention of Madonna um, that's it's this is a bookend this list this really is a bookend to that era and that time she kind of did this closed the chapter and moved on to the next thing (laughs) definitely (laughs) well thank you for spending all this time with me um i hope you get a chance to see madame x and I'm sure she'll release it on DVD. She knows how to, oh, well, to, I hope so. to, to milk us of all of our hard money. So I'm sure <laughs> there will be a, a DVD at some point. Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit salty that she didn't come anywhere near me. But what can you do? <laughs> wait for it to come yeah. out on DVD is what you wait to do. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having well, I, me. I, yes. Thank you again, Peter. And thank Guy for me as well. Um, <laughs> for being our, our our second co-host thank you again peter for your time and talking to me uh all through erotica and the girly show it w- really was a very important time in her career and that's why we took a long time to talk about it because there's a lot to say um, 
So thank you. I really hope to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll, we're definitely going to keep in touch on Instagram. And I hope you have a great night. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Peter. Bye. Bye.